Amen. God bless you tonight. Um, I know that we've been standing a long time, but you know what? I love confirmation, Pastor Paul, and everything that has transpired tonight makes me know that I'm on the right page with what God wants me to share. I wanted to share last night, but it wasn't the time for it. But tonight, it is the time for it. So I want you to stand to your feet and stretch all the way across the church tonight. Shake hands with some folks. What has happened in the service already is there's been a shift in the atmosphere. And it sets up everything that God wants to do for the rest of the service. See, they don't come in here to worship to entertain you. That's not what it's about. But when we walk into church, we walk in with lots of stuff going on in our head. We struggle through the day. We're weary from working. Your kids are driving you crazy. Maybe your finances are not up to par. And there's a thousand things that the enemy wants to do to distract you. But I heard Pastor Paul say that more than one time tonight. Let's remove the distractions and focus on him. And that's what it takes to have church. That's what it takes to have revival. Revival is not just inviting someone in to preach and put a sign out in the front. Revival's you and I. It's a repentant heart. It's when God begins to do something extraordinary in our heart tonight. So I, I think that as you were speaking about the upper room, there were about 500 invitations sent out as God led them up to Bethany, invited them all to the upper room. But only 120 made it. So what's that, 320 that never showed up? Well, my math is not great, but it's about that amount. Only 120 made it. And what does that say to you? It says the same thing that's going on in America today, that many invitations are going out, but not very many people are gravitating toward them. And it takes a hungry heart for revival. It takes time to get into the presence of God. And so a lot of you are lost 10 minutes into worship because you don't know what to do. You're used to going to places to be entertained. But listen, it's time to entertain the Holy Spirit. It's time to let God have his way tonight. Wouldn't you agree with that? So I want you to lift up those hands and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, this is about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's about bringing your presence, your manifested presence down into the natural rim tonight so that you can do miraculous miracles and healing signs and wonders and deliverance to your people tonight, Lord. For too long, the enemy has captivated our attention. For too long, the enemy has won out in our lives. But tonight, we take back what the enemy has stolen. And God, we enter into that most holy place with you. Hallelujah. It is an intimate place with you tonight, God. It is a place that takes time with you, oh God. And Lord, we honor you tonight. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor you, sir, because you are here. Hallelujah. This is not our service. God, it is yours. And we have come in here as a needy people tonight. Lord, we're needy. We need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you to come right in the middle of our mess. We need you to come right in the middle of our circumstances. We need you to come right in the middle, God, of something that we don't know what to do. Oh, but God, you're our healer tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, that sweet fragrance of the Lord. Hallelujah. God, we honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Father, we thank you. God, I know that there are people here under the sound of my voice tonight who are weary and they're tired of church. They're sick of religion. God, we're calling a remnant of people to a whole different place and time and dimension. And God, help us to understand. <laughs> help us to understand what you're trying to say. Speak to our hearts. Open our ears. you, Lord. My heart longs for you, Lord. Oh, 
coming home. Look at somebody beside you and say, God is in this place. And you are not leaving the same way you came. that can happen to a person. I think Pastor Hargrove, Dad Hargrove's up here that's pastored for many, many, many years can attest to this. The worst hurt that people go through is hurt hurt. I don't know, as we were worshiping tonight, I felt like there were some folks that are sitting here tonight and perhaps it was hard for you to get back to church because you've experienced hurt hurt somewhere. And God is wanting to comfort you tonight and uh, rekindle the trust for you to know that it's not always like that. How many of you know the enemy comes in to to kill, steal, and destroy? And he does that. Any way he can distract you, cause you to be offended, and you leave and go away and never go back to church again. Listen, the world is full of people that know God and they know his ways, but they won't ever go back because they were offended. How many of you know it's time to let that stuff go because, hey, Jesus is coming. You know, I'm not letting anybody stand in my way. Come on, I'm not letting anybody stand in my way. This thing is between you and God tonight. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. But he is holy and he is worthy to be praised. Aren't you glad he is tonight? Oh, he's a mighty God. He's mighty, mighty. Well, I'm not going to go through all the stuff on the prank table because there's an atmosphere that's shifted, and I don't want to change that. So you all can buy everything off my product table tonight when we leave. But I do want to thank the Lord for my armor bearer, Candace Hall, over here. Candace, stand up. She's traveled with me for 17 years. Sweet lady of God. I'm thankful to have my dear friend with me tonight, Dawn. And Teresa is from the island of Kip, so if you get to hear her talk, it's real fun, too. Hello, how old are you? <laughs> we love to pick on her accent. You're precious folk. And this is um, Dad Hardgrove and Mom Hardgrove back there. Stand up. My friends, I want you to just love them down. Um, all the way from just above Springfield. <laughs> and Dawn is from Oklahoma, and she came to be with us for revival. So aren't you thankful for them being with us tonight? When we're close in, we get them to come with us and minister a little bit on the keyboard. And so we appreciate that so much. I want you to grab your Bible and stand one more time as we get into the Word tonight because I do have a message that I feel like God would have you to share in light of everything that's already transpired. Just amazing, God, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I love it. How many of you... um, no, pastor back there will attest to this, and so will Dad Hargrove. But sometimes you just go, oh, what am I supposed to share? He said it last night, and then you get pulled up. I don't have anything. But aren't you thankful that God uses words and things and songs and everything just to bring it all together? Oh, he loves us so much. So in Luke chapter 10, I want to begin reading in verse 2, and we're going to go through some scriptures tonight. I think Eli's going to help you guys out on the screen for you tonight, but it goes like this, Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 2, therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest, go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves, carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter first, say, Peace be to this house. And if if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they gave, as they give, for the laborers worthy of the hire of his hiring. Go not from house to house. 
in the eighth verse it says, and into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are not set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come and nigh unto you. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading in verse 35. Mark chapter 5, verse 35. And the scripture says, While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue past certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any, any farther? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John and the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he seeth a good tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why makest ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him. And he entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. Father, bless the reading of your word. And tonight, from this moment forward, let us focus in on what you're saying. Focus in on shifting the atmosphere. Father, we bless you and we praise you and we give you all the glory for it's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated and I'll go ahead and get it into my notes. Oh, hallelujah. You know, when you're in the glory of God, sometimes it's hard to take a deep breath. Does anybody know what I'm saying? Because it settles down. It's weighty sometimes on us. But tonight I want to share a message with you that the Lord has uh, been dealing with me about pretty much around the end of last year and the first of the year, uh, because I have longed for revival. Now, your pastor, Pastor Paul and Pastor Deidre here, used to be an evangelist, so they have that thrust about them. They are bleeding for souls. They love that. That's their passion. Now, they're pastors, but that doesn't really change. They just get to dip into other, um, other forms of ministry. But for an evangelist or a revivalist, you long for revival. You long for not just a series of services, but you long for God to come and move. Because the difference in revival and just a regular church service is that people get bored with re regular church service. Can I just be real with y'all tonight? Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Um, because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to play games with you. I'm just going to be real. And if you like me, I would love for you to. But I'm not going to lose any sleep tonight because I'm tired. And I'll sleep good whether you like me or not. Um, but anyway, you know, we, we often are always trying to please everybody in our services, but it isn't even about that. And I think that there are people that are looking for places that they can come to where they can feel the presence of God, the manifested glory of God becomes uh, prominent in the services, and it absolutely shifts everything about our thinking. It, it changes everything about where we've been and where we're going and how we feel about things. Revival has to come for us to, to, to gravitate toward God in a different vein, if you understand that. There's a new dimension that, that some of us have never been into because we've never really experienced true revival. Now, some years ago, there was an awesome revival that took place in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, Pastor Kilpatrick was pastoring that church at that time. I was privileged to go three times, and it was a God-ordained revival. That revival continued on for, what, three years or so. And there were masses of people that came from all over the world into that one revival. It was a move of God. It was not orchestrated by man. It was not started by man, and it did not end by men. But when God finds a place and he finds a people that are hungry for him, then he will go after that like a bulldog on a bone. God loves you to worship him. And it has to be pure worship, though. So you can stand there and raise your hands and look at everybody else and kind of follow what they're doing. But if it's not coming from your heart, baby, it's empty worship. Come on, y'all. Hear me. It's got to come. I cannot worship for you. I can't praise 
for you tonight. You have to do that on your own. And you know what? This is what I often say. You have to build your own relationship because if you don't, at 2 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and your baby's got a fever of 102 and you can't get in touch with the intercessors in the church or the pastor, you're going to have to have something inside of you where you can lay your hands on that child and command that fever to break. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? So there's something that we need to understand in the scripture that I read to you. They're both examples of how God talks about atmosphere, although you don't hear that word in any of the scripture that I read. So tonight I want to share a message with you entitled Atmosphere Alteration. And this is where I'm understanding how God is going to help us have revival in the midst of a mess. Come on, y'all. I don't care if there's five people in here. Somebody said, I can't believe you drove all the way from Virginia to Missouri. Are you kidding me? If you're in revival, I'll come if it's five people because that's how much I love God and I just want to be. I told the uh, sister the, uh, that spoke the first few nights, I said, listen, if you preach tonight, I'll sit back and hallelujah and support you because I don't crave chicken and I'm not lazy. And I said that to Pastor Paul, but he's too young to know what that means, but some of you may know. Years ago they said, you know you're called to preach. Look, he knows. See, Pastor Paul, see, you're just, you don't have the wisdom yet. You don't know. <laughs> they used to say, if you crave chicken and you're lazy, you must be called to the ministry. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know what? It, it's just so amazing to me. I just love to be where God's presence is. And so I got so frustrated. Can I be real with you? I got frustrated. I think we talked about this a little bit. You know, as an evangelist, you get frustrated because you go in service after service. People don't care. They don't worship. You know, they just want you to do something for them. It's not about what I can do for you. It's what can you do for the Lord. Come on, y'all. Everybody saying, well, Jesus, I'm just sitting here waiting on you. No, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to make the move. He's already done. Oh, my Lord, he died for you. What more do you want him to do? Come on. You know what? But we make it so difficult and complex when it's just so simple. But I got so frustrated. I thought, God, I am so sick of just going in and preaching a message and leaving and saying, and I'm harder on myself than anybody else. I'm so thankful for a great armor bearer and a great husband who knows how to help me through my my feelings when I come out of a pulpit because if God didn't move like I thought he should, I think it's my fault. But guess what? I did that the first few years of my ministry. God began to teach me that's not on you. That's on them. You just give them the word and leave it, and then it's, it's up to them what they do with it. And that is really true. But one thing that did the Lord began to deal with me about uh, the last part of last year and the first of this year was, God, I said, why are churches not moving and having the services that they need to have? Here's what happens. I think I mentioned this last night, but I came across a documentary from Harvard University on Pentecostalism. They were talking about how old it was and, and how it's come up through the years and the things that have taken place with Pentecostalism and people that were coming out of mainstream denominations and wanting to come into spiritual churches because they're, they're tired of a form and a fashion. They're tired of going through the all the humdrum, you know, pomp and circumstance and services, and they leave empty as they were when they came in. You know what? And so here's what's happening. They're finding spirit-filled churches, but ain't nothing happening in the spirit-filled churches. Reminds me of a great story. I love the story. There was a little country church, and they prayed for years for God to move in that church. I mean, they wanted God to pack that church out. They would pray, pray, pray. And you know what? There was a man that lived across the street from the church. His name was Old Joe. And they had gone over there. They took tithes to him. They did everything for him to try to get him to come to the church. And he never would come. And he just lived right across the street. And they thought, how difficult is it for the man to walk out of his house and walk over to the church? But he never would come. Well, finally, revival hit the church. And for miles, people parked along that rural road and had to walk up to that little country church. They almost had to put Velcro vests on them and stick them on the side of the wall because they didn't have enough room for everybody in there. But one usher one night looked and he, amongst all the crowd, and they saw this man standing in the back up against the wall, and it was old Joe. And one of the ushers said, oh, my Lord, do you know how many years we've been trying to get that man in this church? He said, I'm going to go back there and find out why he's here. So he goes back there and he says, Joe, it's great to have you tonight. He said, we've been trying to get you to come for years. Well, you know, it's just great to have you. What prompted you to come? He said, y'all ain't never had nothing going on until now. <laughs> and how many of you know that's true? All right, I'm going to take a poll. Everybody, if you lie, you're in church, you're going to hell, okay? 
How many of you are sick and tired of religion? Put your hand up. How many of you are sick and tired of going to church and nothing happens? Oh, I'm preaching in the right place tonight. Okay. How many of you love me from this point on? <laughs> okay. So here's what happens. I was praying and I said, God, you know, what's going on? What's going on in our world? Man, this is the hardest time to be in ministry than any other time because we are battling multiple, listen to me, multiple religions, multiple ideologies, various theologies, and everybody's bumping their head against each other trying to figure out what to believe in. Spirit-filled churches that have always believed from Genesis to Revelation are now laying down on some of the doctrine because it's not necessary anymore. And we don't want people to run away from the church. We want them to come. So we want the people with the money to come. We want people with education to come. Are you kidding me? So what happens to the guy out on the street who's got a needle hanging out of his arm? Is he's not good enough for your church because you're trying to build a church with certain kinds of people? Oh, y'all better hear me tonight because I ain't nice after this, this moment. So here's what I'm saying. So God began to deal with me and said, Sheila, the problem is the atmosphere. Listen, you get the atmosphere right and you can get anything accomplished. Let me prove that to you. So we're all created to notice and sense change. Change in your bodies, change in the weather, change in relationships, change in the atmosphere. Listen, some of y'all are looking at these young people and thinking, Whoa, I remember when my skin was as elastic as theirs is. And everything goes south as you get older. But thank God, ladies, for things where we can push it up, squeeze it in, tighten it down. I remember when I was a little girl. Now, this really dates this. Some of y'all, some of the young people are going to look at me and go, what? I don't even know what she's talking about. But when I was a little girl, I'd hear my mother in there getting ready for church, and she'd be going, uh, 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 uh. And I walk in there, and there's this little piece of material about that big, and her body's about like this, and she's trying to shove it down into this little piece of elastic. And, I, and, she's, uh, and she's going, baby, here, help, help, pull this up for Mama. And I'd be helping her get in her girdle, ladies, her girdle. Yeah, they still have them. Some of you need to invest in some things. So, <laughs> help, pastor's like, He's worried now, I can tell. I see the little beads of sweat popping out on him. But, um, but anyway, I'd say, Lord, Mom, this thing looks really uncomfortable. And she said, it is. It's painful, baby, but it makes you look really good. You know, so here we are. We look really trim and get home, and you take it off and go, <laughs> comes out like the Pillsbury Doughboy. So <laughs> I'm not sure why I said all that, but anyway. <laughs> But things have changed greatly. Come on, y'all. How many of you know things change? No matter how many creams you buy, no matter all the devices you use. 91 years old, yes, nobody else in this church can rap like that grandma right there. I'm telling you. Age has nothing to do with it. But it does, we do change. And here's what we need to understand. An atmosphere, God's manifested presence changes, and something quite extraordinary begins to happen. So how many of you going to hang with me? I'm going to help you understand. So let's define the word atmosphere, not because y'all are ignorant, because I like to hear it. It says a sur surrounding influence or environment. It's a changed mood, tone, or effect. Now, I don't know about you, but there will always be some people that you're going to gather in your church, Pastor Paul, I'll help you with this, that have mood swings. And women, when they're going through certain things, it would be behoove you not to ask how they're doing because they will tell you. But anyway, there are some people that you hang with and you never know who you're talking to from one day to the next because their mood changes. Either they're really happy or they're really sad. And those are mood swings. Guess what? I don't like to be around moody people. I like to be around happy people because happy people make you feel elevated. Have you ever gotten around somebody and asked them how they feel and you wish to God you hadn't because they tell you? And when I was new in the ministry, when I'd do prayer, prayer lines, I would ask people what their problem was. I stopped asking them because one lady took 20 minutes. She told me everything about her blood work, every x-ray. She told me every single thing from head to toe. When I got through listening to her, I didn't have no faith to pray for. I'm going to be real with y'all. I thought, my God, think about it. It changes your mood. 
It changes the atmosphere. When you get up in the morning, if you go, oh, oh, Lord, that woman preached so long last night. I am so tired. I just don't think I can make it. You've already created an atmosphere. Listen to me. I'm going to help you tonight. You're going to leave here tonight, and you're going to be helped because this helped me understand that you don't always have to say how you feel because that's what the devil wants you to do. But then you have to start reaching and gravitating toward what is going to be. So I get up on a rainy day. Listen, I used to be an ER nurse, and the coffins were just as small as they were large. I know how easy it is for death to come and snatch us out. So I get up every morning, and as soon as my eyes open, I, don't, I might not say it vocally out, but I say it within me. I woke up this morning. How blessed I am. God has given me a gift today. I am living another day, and bless God, I am not going to let the devil ruin my day. So you need to take charge of your atmosphere. Watch this. Atmosphere creates climates, and climates end up resulting into cultures. Now watch me very carefully. So if we truly understand our responsibility tonight, church, to shift and how it plays out corporately. Listen, corporately gatherings are vitally important to atmosphere. Watch this. As we get into more technology, more people are going to stop going to churches and they're going to watch everything online. Now, hey, guys out there in FB land, I know that you're watching the program tonight and we're really glad that you are. But guess what? You're still going to miss some elements of corporate atmosphere here that you cannot feel there. Come on, y'all. And so, you know what? I love the internet. I'm grateful for all that, but that could never be a substitute for me because they can't hug my neck, and I got some team members watching tonight. Hey, guys, I know you love me, but right now I can't feel you hug me, but I can go up here and hug Pastor Deidre. Come on, I can feel that from her. I can touch her. There's something therapeutic about touching each other. There's something about walking into a church, and you have had a week from hell. Yeah, I said that, and you just need someone to come up and put their arms around you. You don't have to say anything about your situation, but it is the touch that's therapeutic, and you know that somebody cares for me. You said it. The gentleman that came, the young guy that came this week, who had never, ever put his arms around anybody and said, I love you, that is almost inconceivable to me because I, I grew up in a very lovey, touchy, huggy, kissy people. My mother and father, love, love, love. It was always love. I mean, I could go from the bedroom to the kitchen. I love you. I love you too. I mean, it almost sounds like it was sickening, but you know what? They put something in us. My mom and dad's gone, but the legacy lives really loud in, in my brother, my sister, and I. And we have decided the circle, oh, the circle, be unbroken. By and by. Oh, that's really loud. But anyway. <laughs> We have decided the circle is not going to be broken because what my parents put in us, we continue in with their children and their children's children. And that's the way that it works. We have learned how to create an atmosphere that then revolves into culture. So the atmosphere that we're doing corporately, it causes God to have a platform in which to work with greater manifestations of power. Now, we already know that there's a glory of God, right? But when we're talking about manifested glory, that means where God actually comes down and kisses us on the cheek. <laughs> Some of y'all get that at 2 o'clock in the morning. I want his manifested glory, not just the glory. I want him to manifest himself to me. I don't want you to tell me about God. I want to feel God. I want to experience his glory and his power. Don't tell me that he's a healer. I want to be healed. Don't tell me I, that you've been delivered. I need to know that I can be delivered. And that's what the difference is in creating atmosphere. So the atmosphere that enables God to reach down to us is powerful and easily attainable. But listen, it requires some things. If you're taking notes, write this down. Desire, passion, the drive, will, and focus. And all of those words are so important. It's not business as usual because it moves us divinely toward God. 
Listen, God is not hiding from you guys tonight. And the devil is saying that I'm not good enough for God to love me. Man, I've been out of church so long, God was not going to give me another chance. Are you kidding? That is a lie from the pits of hell. God is constantly loving us. He's wooing us. He's pursuing you and I on a moment-to-moment basis. But we have got to understand and go beyond our guilt complexes. A lot of times people don't get into the presence of God because they're carrying so much condemnation. And that's what the enemy's job is, is to make you feel condemned so much so that you won't call out to the Father anymore. You won't reach out to him. You don't ask him for things because you feel guilty that you haven't been a perfect person. The other night I was in the bathroom and I was praying. That's where I pray in the hotel room. I love it. I turn off the light. I can't see anything. So I'm not broken in my focus. And so I was praying and I began to weep and I said, Lord, thank you for using me because I'm so imperfect and I'm so fallible and I hope that I can do this for you. I I don't want to mess up anything that we're doing in this church. If I'm not the right person, sit me down and shut me up because I don't want to disrupt what you're doing. And I felt so unworthy and I finished my prayer and I got up and just as I started out, I heard the Holy Spirit say, and I don't know how God talks to you guys. I've never heard him audibly, but it's so strong of an impression in my spirit. It sounds very audible. And I heard the Lord say, Sheila, I don't use perfect people. I use obedient people. And it just blew me out of the water. And I said, God, thank you that I'm not perfect, but you're still willing to use me. How many of you know the enemy doesn't want you to to accomplish anything with God? Not one thing. But when you understand his love for you, it changes everything. So God knows that atmosphere is important. Atmospheres surround us. As I said, it has to do with our mood, our attitude, how you sleep at night, how your home feels. Listen, I have a neighbor next door. She's a little Baptist lady, and I love her to pieces, and she loves to come over to the house. She's very, very respectful. She goes, oh, I know you've been out, but have you got five minutes? Yeah. She'll come in my house, and literally she sits down. She walks in, and she sits down on the on the sofa, and this is what she does. what that did to me that was a compliment because I said girl if you knew how much I come up and tell me Paul's and pray over my home and I pray for peace of God I want the mail carrier or you know whomever to walk in my house and be convicted come on y'all I want the atmosphere to be charged so that when they walk into my house I don't have to say anything to them I don't preach 24 7 365 You don't have to. If you know how to shift the atmosphere around you, there's an aura that follows you. When you walk into the beauty salon, ladies, people go, whoa, what is that cologne that you sell? And it's not that at all. It's the anointing that you carry in your life. It's the atmosphere that you shift when you walk into a situation. If you're a peacemaker, you can go into the major moments of war and calm everything down. What does the word of God say about David when Saul was so restless with the spirits inside? He just began to worship. He began to worship. He shifted the atmosphere. And the demonic activity in Saul began to calm down. Atmosphere. Look at your neighbor and say, atmosphere, it is so important. Atmospheres attract spirits. Listen. When the atmosphere is charged with God's manifested presence, the demonic spirits that fill people should be subjected to the atmosphere. The sinners should be running to the altars because they can't stand to sit in the seat. You hear what I'm saying? It should release a conviction and a power for them. So when people walk into the church, they're walking into the church with multiple situations going on in their life. Sometimes you have witches sitting right among you. Listen, I was down in Memphis some years ago doing a revival there, and it was a black church. And people, the black pastors are very, very respectful. They're not going to get into your stuff, but they're going to surround you if you need them. And that night, it was bishops and pastors all the way across the front rows. 
and I was ministering. I had been ministering. We had a wonderful service that far. And at 9 o'clock, on the dot, the doors opened in the back, and seven women walked in. And they dispersed through the congregation in different locations. And all of a sudden, this, the atmosphere began to shift, and you could feel it. If you know anything about the Spirit, you could know that something wasn't quite right. And all of a sudden, uh, we had already begun to stand to get to the end of the service, and then the, the keyboard player had come back, and the people were praising. All of a sudden, these women started running. Just They just started running through the church, running around the congregation. And, you know, some of the people, they had no idea of discernment. They were going, woo, hallelujah, praise God. I'm like, oh, my Lord. Oh, devil, you ain't taking my altar. I done preached a message up to this point, and you ain't messing up my altar call. Something rose up in me, and I stood there, and I thought, what do I do, God? So I looked down at the pastor, and he's giving me the eye like, you know, he's not going to interfere. He, he figures if I'm in his pulpit that I ought to be knowledgeable enough to know how to e deal with the situation. And I wanted to say, I had one pastor one night, two women started manifesting demonically. And I'm back there trying to pray for him. And I'm looking at him, and he's on the, he's standing on the stage going. And later I said, why didn't you come help me? He said, I don't do devil. I said, well, then you need to get saved. Where have you been? Of course, he was teasing, you know, but still, I was like, yeah, leave, leave it to me. Leave it to me to roll on the floor with two demonic women. Come on, y'all. I had to tell you what, I had a white suit one time, and by the time I got finished, it was black. I'm not kidding. I, I don't play games. I ain't afraid of devils. Come on, y'all, hear me. But in that service in Memphis, I thought, God, you're going to have to help me because I can either make or break this service about right now. There's a lot of things that pastor senses and feels, but when he begins to speak forth authority and wisdom, he still has to be very cautious that he has a bunch of people that don't understand where he's at. And so I was saying, God, I don't, I, you can tell that I'm like, you can tell that I'm like, Lord, I have to give you, I can do that. So I had to rely on the father. And so the Lord says, calmly step down off the stage. So I stepped down off the stage, and I said, now what, God? He goes, here she comes. Put her in a headlock. I was like, well, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but right now I think i got to change that. So when I did that, all the pastors stepped, like, three steps forward and, and made hold of that, and here she comes. I grabbed that lady in a headlock. And I got up to her ear privately. I said, I command you to shut up. And she went, Whoa! And I went, oh, my God, you killed it. <laughs> kind of took my shoe and kind of, and she didn't move. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have a lawsuit against me. I know I am. I done killed this woman. And those pastors, those pastors, their eyes were like, And one by one, they sat down. One by one, the Lord shut them up. And then we carried on with the service. And we finished up, and people came to the altar that night and got gloriously touched. But after the service was over, I said to the pastor, who were those women? He said, shh, Sister Dr. Ike, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know who they are. I've never seen them before in my life. The pastor's wife was at the back door when they came in, and they had a baby with them. And she said, the baby honestly did not look right. And we took the baby to the nursery, and the baby began to make the most horrid sound we have ever heard. It sounded like an animal crying for help. And I was like, what? Later we found out that they were witches, and they had a coven. And they came in there that night with the intention of destroying that service. But let me tell you something, atmospheres change as quick as the wind blows.
So when the atmosphere shifts to negativism, God can turn it back around to the right way. But you have got to be sharp. You've got to be discerning. You cannot let everything come in and take over. You've got to be aware that there are things that are going to begin to happen. So here's what happens. If you sustain an atmosphere, it will create a climate. Now, what do you mean by that? Listen, I want to say it again. If you sustain an atmosphere, it will create a climate. That means in the tropical climates, there are certain foliage and things that grow there because the climate is always the same. It never changes. They don't have snow and ice. So those palm trees and that foliage grows there, plentiful, beautiful stuff that we could never grow up north, right? Because we have, uh, you know, up north they have 20 feet snow. I mean, you can't have the same stuff growing there that you have there. So it has created a climate. It, it has created a culture there. So here's what I want you to understand. In certain parts of the world, there's an established climate, um, an atmospheric pressure. How many of you have ever been flying on the airplane and all of a sudden uh, you can feel some things shift? Your ears start doing funny things. Why? Because the pressure's changing. And if the cabin pressure wasn't working correctly, we would all die if we got up so high in altitude. So that's what atmospheric pressure is. It is the pressure caused by wake of air above the measurement point. Now watch this. So if we create a climate of revival, it will become a culture. You understand what I'm saying tonight? There is an atmospheric pressure that God is trying to unleash in the church today so that we can create an atmosphere of revival that becomes a culture. What does that mean, Sheila? It means that revival will come, but it will not end because it will be normal for you and I. It will be something that we have adjusted to, that we know how it works, and we know how to flow in that. And so this is how God is trying to pull us in. And God began to say, why is it that you go through spirit-filled churches and you go into services and you know these people have the knowledge and the understanding and how to flow in the power of God, but you leave empty? It's because the atmosphere got, never got changed. The music teacher is, is vitally important. When they go to make selections in their songs, it's not to entertain you or tickle your ears, but what are those words going to say to a soul that's sitting on a seat that has never been in the church? before or maybe they're hurting or maybe they're going through things and that one song will minister to them like nothing else the attitude of worship shifts and we begin to get our mind on the Lord because if we all came in here and pastor opened the service and said okay we're going to preach now 90% of you wouldn't hear a word he said because he has to prepare the atmosphere for the word to come. Are you guys with me tonight? So the Holy Ghost is the pressure. It's the pressure of God's power in the air. Watch this. <laughs> Man, it's weighty at times. It's weighty. I want to share a little part of a book that I read some years ago. And if you've never read it, I would I would pull it out of an archive and read it. But it was, it was entitled The God Chasers by Tommy Tenor. I would not suggest you reading that book if you're soaking in the bathtub because you will drown. But anyway, I remember a particular chapter where Tommy Tenney talks about this church, um, and he flew in for service, and he preached, and they were expecting God to move, and nothing really happened. So he got on the airplane, was heading back home. When he landed at the airport, the pastor calls and says, you've got to come back. And he said, I just left there. He said, I know. I, I know it sounds crazy, but can you turn around and come back? And he said, whatever the Lord's telling me. So he comes back the second time, and he walks into the church, and this particular church was very large, they had a pulpit like this, and, uh, you know, they had an early service, and then they had 11 o'clock service, and, you know, kind of like that, to house the people that came, and so he came in, and he sat down in the back row, and he said when he came in and sat down, everything had shifted, there was a whole different feel in the atmosphere, and he said the pastor was standing up at the pulpit, and he began to share uh, in Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, come on, y'all know it, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, repent of their sins and all that. And he was reading the scripture. And he and Tommy Tenney said, I never got up off of the seat. I sat there and I began to experience the glory of God. But then his manifested presence began to come down like a shower. 
And he said, all of those people begin to just fall out of the seat and into the floor. I mean, they were sitting in their seat and they just poof, fell out and slain in the spirit. This was the early service. And he said, by the time the early service was over and 11 o'clock, people were trying to find a parking place. There was no parking places because those people were still there and they couldn't figure out what. They came in and there were bodies laying everywhere and they were thinking, what in the world happened? But the pulpit that the pastor was standing behind, because the atmosphere shifted so quickly, come on, the weightiness of the spirit, the pressure changed on. And that pulpit, the power of God came down, it split it in half, it picked up the pastor, he, he got thrown over and laid very nicely in the back of the pulpit. Come on, y'all, hear me. And the people came flying in, sliding over the bodies. They were on their faces, repenting for the first time like they had never repented before. And revival was born right there. Sometimes God decides to change the atmosphere when he wants to show some of his power. But he doesn't have to prove it with his power anymore because I already know he has power. But what is it? Signs and wonders and miracles are signs to unbelievers that he is really who he says he is. And you know what? I just cannot wait for the day when all these people, all these people in our world right now, they're all anti-God. Oh, come on, y'all. Don't pray in school. We don't want all of that stuff. Take the Ten Commandments off the walls. You can't say Merry Christmas. And the list goes on and on. But I cannot wait for the day when God takes the leash back from the enemy that he's had on the earth. And he says, I am, I am, I am, I am. Come on. This is the one that you rejected. I am God. And I am the only God. And now you're face to face with me. Come on, y'all. How many of you heard in the news just a couple of weeks ago, the, the agnostic, the atheist, what was his name? Stephen, somebody who passed away. And he was in a wheelchair. He said, there is no God. But guess what? He died. And I'm sure that he was shocked to stand before the God that he said never existed. So what do you think? Well, I'm saying atmosphere is everything tonight. It's the pressures being pushed down and overriding us tonight to remove all the distractions and pulling us up in abandonment in his presence. So the scriptures that I read to you at the beginning of the message tonight, we call them atmosphere clashes. Jesus carried an atmosphere about him everywhere, didn't he? Wherever he went, people thronged him. They wanted to be around him because they knew that he was healing people and devils were being cast out. And, but God's anointing is destroying yokes. But here's what I want you to understand, that in the scriptures there were certain stories, but God had to, Jesus had to do some things to make the atmosphere right. So when the damsel was dead, he had to clean house. He only took the mom of the daddy and the sons of thunder with him in there because they were the ones that had the high faith and they knew what could happen. The rest of these people, half of them could care less. Aren't you glad today that we don't hire people to cry when we die? I'm serious. That's what they were doing. They had professional mourners. They paid them to cry over their dead people. How morbid is that? But you know what? Here's what he did. He put out all the unbelievers. And he said, you go with them. You know what he said? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. Oh, my gosh. It's been an eternity long. He's had a heat stroke. She is dead. What's your problem? No, she's not. What did he do? He loses the anointing. He falls on him and Peter up. He became light again. <laughs> Woo! He had to change the atmosphere so that he could work where there was positivity, positivity and not negativity. So that was one. The other scripture that I read to you was when Jesus was sending those men out to do ministry. And he said, there will be places that you will go that you will minister freely, and I will move. But then there will be places that they will reject you, and they will not receive what you're saying. So shake the dust off your feet, take your purse, and leave, and go somewhere else. Listen, can I tell you, in the 17 years of being in full-time ministry, God has always allowed me to go places where people receive what I said. Most of them did anyway. I've been in Mat Baptists and Methodists and Lutheran and Catholic churches and preached to a lot of different people through the years. And God has favored us in those places. 
and I preach them the same kind of message, only a different method. I don't run it by my eyes, sit on the first five pews in the Methodist church because they just don't understand. But you know what I found out? There are hungry people everywhere you go. Doesn't matter what tag they hang over the door, they're hungry. And if I can somehow shift the atmosphere for them to understand, then God can begin to move. Our churches should never be settled with an atmosphere where people are uncomfortable or comfortable. Rather, they need to shift and be uncomfortable. I love it when people come in and they just go, like, I'm out. You ever seen people like that? I'll never forget it. We had a we had a lady come to our church who was Catholic, came with her friend. She told her friend, she said, Don't come to my church. Don't come to my church. Everybody knew it was her. You'll be fine. And the pastor, how's he? Oh, he's fine. He's he's nothing to worry about. Well, she forgot to tell her that sometimes the atmosphere changes. And that particular morning, Pastor Roger Land. And here's this little Catholic sister back there, and you see all these people running and had their hands up. And, of course, that was typical. This girl really lied to her to get her there. And their eyes were that big, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I'll just get my little hands up. See, here's what happens. When you shift the atmosphere in the church, it'll happen. One of two things will happen. People will never come back again, or it will draw them back time and time again. Even the people that don't understand, I don't know why y'all do all that, but I'm intrigued. I think I'll come back again. Why? Because it's a freedom in that. It's a freedom when the atmosphere begins to shift. Atmospheres transmit and restrict. There's a difference between, as I said, God's presence and his manifested presence. Manifested is straightforward. It's when he comes down, it's obvious, it's transparent, it's unmistakable, it's right here in your face kind of presence. God cannot, watch this, if some of you pray to be healed time and time again, there's one reason why a lot of people aren't healed, and it's this, because of unbelief. It takes faith to move mountains. And I tell people this all the time. There's two types of healing. There's a healing and there's a miracle. And so when you come up for prayer to be healed, you've already lost your healing because you didn't have anything happen, so you walked away defeated. But a healing is a process, and I can prove it that that to you because I remember having patients come to the ER, and one guy had a big old big laceration on his leg. He splayed open. And guess what? He sewed it up, but the next day it wasn't healed. That, that tissue has to adhere back together. All of that stuff has to work, and time over time it heals. But if all of a sudden we laid our hands on that man and all of a sudden there's no laceration there, it's gone, that would be considered a miracle. Jesus did two kinds. And so it's so important for us to be able to share that. I was in a United Methodist church in Richmond, Richmond Virginia. The pastor was secretly spirit-filled. And he had 350 people. It was a really large church. And he called me. He said, I know you don't know me, but I know you. And I said, is that good or bad? Uh, at that time, we had a program on the Internet. It was on uh, live streaming. And he said, I saw your program. I know, I know what you believe, and I went on the website to text you all, and you should come. And I said, okay, what kind of church are you have? He said, United Methodist. I was like, okay. He says, well, I got to tell you something. It's your time. He said, you have to keep it secret. And I said, what, what's secret? He said, well, it's secret. I said, oh, I can handle that. He said, I said, okay, tell me, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to have healing. I want you to anoint them with oil. I said, do you do that? No, I've never done that. Oh, you want me to be the guinea pig, do you? <laughs> I see. You don't want to get fired from being the pastor. You just want me to bring in a, you want to bring in a dizzy blonde to do your dirty work for you. So I come in, and Sunday morning, I didn't preach. I just exhorted a little bit to kind of get the people familiar with me and all. And they're getting Methodist church. They haven't even packed here, so they're okay with it. So anyway, so Sunday night, I came back, and I preached. And I told them Sunday morning, I said, tonight I just preach a healing. Their eyes were like that. I said, because God wants to heal your body. Oh. So Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm ending on, come on, uh, we're making progress here. I start getting ready to preach on Sunday night. But I don't know what I'm going to preach on. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that night I told them we were going to preach on healing. Well, that church was all white United Methodist Church in Richmond, Virginia. And he invited the black bishop down the road to bring that church in. And they called and said, I, I, I can't. We're going to close the shop. We're going to change the atmosphere. 
I can preach it in black shoes, y'all. I'm sweet. I love y'all to death. But y'all just, it's just some about being in my brother's church that gives me, but then it's me adding, I am just a black woman trapped in a white body. That's what I am sometimes. I just can't, I can't help it. It just, it just be that. It's, it's just something about that because they create an atmosphere. They don't play, okay? But anyway, so I said, yes, that's great. Thank you so much. Do that. Because he asked me, he said, are you okay with that? I said, brother, yes, I'm okay with that. So they sung, and it was amazing. But here's how the people sat while they were singing. But they don't even do that. Because they don't need, I mean, did you just have a you know? <laughs> nothing, nothing. So anyways, so when they got through, I got up to preach. A lady came that night. She had not been to church in three years. Her husband went home and said, there's a lady that's preaching tonight on healing, and he'd like to come get you and pray for her. She was on crutches. She had had multiple back surgeries and was numb in her legs. She was very hard. It was hard for her to walk. And uh, she came in, and, and she came, and she was sitting like halfway down in the middle of the center center near the end of the pew. Her husband was on one side and her brother was on the other. They brought her to church that night. I didn't know any of this. So I preached on healing. I did it very delicate for them. I explained about the oil. And see, I love I love to anoint with oil because the word of God says, laying hands on the sick, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save them. Well, do we need this certain kind of smelly oil? No, I use beautiful oil, cooking oil, WD-40, whatever I can find. Because there's nothing in the oil. It's just being obedient to the Lord. I can't believe people pay big bucks for smelly oils. I'm like, don't use that on me. That's nasty. Just use some olive oil. Well, just use this. Oh, this is like fragrance to it, and I'm in trouble. Oh, it does. It's wonderful. I love it. He'll cut my offering if I waste the oil. Uh, but anyway, I said, it's not about the oil because they th- they thought that. Listen, they thought that. They thought, what is it that she's using? Because I brought my oil. They didn't have any. And Pastor's standing over there like he doesn't have a clue what I'm going to do. He's dull. He's dull. But he was so elated because he wanted his people to experience the things that he was learning in the closet. Come on, y'all. A lot of people are coming out of the closet for the wrong reasons, but I'm glad he was trying to come out for the right reason, you know what I'm saying? Um, So anyway, I preached, and I gave the altar call. And when I gave the altar call, the enemy spoke to me and said, you have messed up in this young lady. They just never come to see. You have church people today, and they have never come. They are not going to come to church. And for a moment, I was like, said, is everybody sick among us? Let me pray. Nobody will want to pray. And I was pissed. The lady that came on the crutches or the cane got out of her seat. Her husband, her brother started bringing her down the middle. And here's how the people began. And when she came, they started praying. And before you know it, they wrapped all the way around the front of the church for prayer. So I go up to her first, and I said, I'm going to anoint you with oil. I explained all that. Anointed her with oil. We're going to pray for you. I prayed for her kidney. And she said, thank you. And she turned around, and she wobbled back to her seat. I said, okay, all right. Before I ever laid my hand on another person, I started down to the end of the line to make my way around. All of a sudden, the enemy lined my feet and said, ah! It startled me. I said, my God. I looked back, and that lady was holding both of the canes out, and she was doing this. And her husband was just crying, and she goes, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. 
when she said that, these United Methodist people started sticking their hands up in the air like this. They didn't even know what they were doing. And we went down that line, and Pastor Paul, God began, because the atmosphere got shifted right there, ears were opened that were deaf. Come on, y'all. Healing after healing after healing after healing after healing. But here's the miraculous thing that happened. They were even saying, can you pray for my dog too? Yes, baby, I pray for my animals. I'll pray for your dog. God loves them too. Because nobody had ever taken the time to pray for them and know that they could be healed. And they were getting healed like crazy. I was like, wow, we could just stay here for weeks and have revival with this church. So I started to pray for this man, and he had left and went out because he was angry that the black church was there. But he needed healing. He was sick. So he went out the door, and one of my girls were out at the product table, and she said, I really wanted that lady to pray for me. And she said, well, why didn't you go up front and let him pray for you? She said, I I just didn't want to go back there. She said, well, I really wish you would. And he stood there for a minute. She said, he came back. And by this time, everybody just about had been prayed for except for this one man. He was an older man. And I began to reach out to him, and I said, hello, my brother. What do you need? He said, I need to be healed too. Well, when I started to lay my hand on him, the Holy Spirit says, stop. You're not praying for him. You call the bishop up to pray for him. And I said, bishop, would you come up and anoint this man in the Lord? And I really asked him for prayer to his altar. I had no idea that this man was a racist, that he hated black people with a passion. He was so angry through that whole service that that pastor had the audacity to invite that black church in with them. You got to remember generations ago, black and whites had lots of issues. And the sad thing is that those issues are still here today. If you cut Candace's arm and you cut mine, the blood is red. It's just a skin color. That's all it is. So that black bishop had no idea how this man felt. I didn't know what was going on. I just obeyed the Lord. And he got all up in his world. It was so funny. He was all up in this man's face. He was praying for him, loving on him, putting his arms around him. I mean, just pouring God's love all over this man. And all of a sudden, the man began to break, and he started weeping. Tears began to flow down. Jimmy, Candace, tears began to flow down his face. And he said, I love you, sir. And right there in the middle of that altar call, because of atmospheric change, that black man and that white man reconciled differences. was an amazing thing that took place in that church that night. And I'm telling you, it's because atmospheres change. God wants to do so much in this church. So here's what I'm going to say in the end. When we make a demand on the atmosphere with our pure worship and focus, it causes God to come down and take care of everything that has need be taken care of. So what are you saying, Sheila? Everybody can be healed? Everybody can be healed. Everybody can be delivered. Everybody can be saved. Now, why doesn't everybody do that? Listen, when I pray for people, I don't take any credit for what God does, and I don't take any blame for what He doesn't do, because it's not up to me. It's up to Him, and it's up to your faith. But I know I've seen time and time again through our services how that God has moved and healed in people's lives, opened deaf ears, opened blind eyes, a baby that was deaf in Arkansas, God opened that child's ears. The mother was backslidden, and when the baby got healed, she got saved. Come on, y'all. It's amazing what God does when we shift the atmosphere. So do you have a responsibility to the services you come to? Absolutely you do. That means, bless God, I'm going to church tonight. I have a responsibility to the anointing. 
I need to get behind this pastor, and I need to amen him and, and get, in, get in gear with him. Because, listen, you pull stuff up out of him that he doesn't even know that's in there. If y'all guys sat and look at him like a calf at a new gate all the time, that's a Virginia term, then he's not ever going to be able to deliver what he really wants. That's why, why is it that you go to some churches and you preach like a man on fire and you can take that same message and go over to this church over here and nothing happens? Why? It's atmosphere. If you don't pull on the anointing and make a demand for it, you're not going to get anything. Listen, when I travel around, I come back to my home church, I sit on the front row where they're sitting. I don't sit on the front row to be seen. I sit on the front row because I want no distractions because I'm in here because i got to get filled back up to take it back out. And I want pastor to speak to me. Are you selfish? Yes. I want him to preach to me. I don't care how much he gets on my toes because when he corrects me, I can do better for God. I want the atmosphere to change. I don't want to cause anything. Even during altar call, people decide that's a potty break time. No, it's not. That's the time you need to be quiet because God's moving. And one distraction can cause someone to miss the opportunity to move into where God wants them to be. So if you need healing tonight, you're going to get healed in Jesus' name. Because of the atmosphere, because I'm changing the atmosphere. Come on, Tracy. I'm changing the atmosphere. It's about atmosphere. Come on. Everything's about atmosphere. Come on, stand to your feet. It's all about atmosphere, yes. We change it with our minds and our thoughts and our ways and our movements. Come on, yes. Come on, just get your mind on the Lord. Close your eyes and begin to worship right now. Father, we thank you that you're in the house right now. We thank you, God. We want you to shift the atmosphere. Shift it. Shift it right now. Because we have to get some people healed tonight, Lord. And you're the healer. You do it. You're doing it. You're doing it. Now, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I never want to leave a service that I don't give someone an opportunity to make things right. If you're here tonight, you say, Dr. Sheila, I don't know the Lord as my personal Savior. And I need God. If that's you, would you lift that hand up? Nobody's looking. We're not going to embarrass you. I won't come back to you. This is your decision. But raise it up high so I can see because I don't want to miss you. Is there one in the house tonight? Say, I need to be saved. I need to make things right. Maybe you've been saved and you're kind of teetering back and forth and you just really can't make up your mind and you need to get things straight with God tonight. Would you lift that hand up? Come on. Is that you? Is that you tonight? Listen, I don't. I don't want to be crude and rude, but we're not promised tomorrow. And the word says what we do, we must do quickly. Today is the day of salvation. You can leave this church tonight and be involved in, involved in a motor or automobile accident and take, be taken out in eternity. And when you stand before the Lord, he'll bring you back to this night and this moment when you have opportunity to receive him. All right, so this is what I feel in the spirit to do. If you're here tonight and you need healing in your body, you need healing in your finances, whatever you need, whatever you need, I want you to make a line up here and we're going to pray because we're going to shift the atmosphere. It's been shifting all night. It shifted during worship. It was miraculous. It was awesome that we were in the face of the Lord. Some of you were, some of you were not. But that's when you have to get your mindset. I'm going to go where they take me what they're doing in worship. They're leading us into a place they they had been and they're leading us there. So I'm going to pray for you. If you need a healing, I want you to come. Come on, just make a line right up here. Pastor, would you anoint them, please? Come on up. You need healing. I just really feel like the Lord's wanting to heal some bodies tonight. situations that have been unresolved. Not only that, but some relationships that are broken. Some hurt. God's going to mend some things tonight. Come on. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. Everybody move forward for me, if you will, okay? Hallelujah. 